Okay, guys, uh, this week we had a really interesting talk with a guy named Corey Beasley. He is the, um, the owner and operator of Fight Camp Conditioning. Uh, they have a website, they have a, a really big Instagram page. A lot of you guys have probably seen their Instagram page where they're posting all kinds of um, really cool MMA and combat sports specific movements. Um, that you can use for your strength conditioning program. It's really interesting. Definitely go check it out. Uh, Corey had a ton of really good insights um, that pertain to um, kind of how you organize your fight camp and what kind of movements you're doing and when you're doing them uh, just to be as ready as you possibly can for your upcoming fight or uh, competition. So it was really interesting to me. So I think that you guys will find it interesting. So hopefully you like the episode. All right, let's get into it. Corey, welcome to the yeah, podcast. Yeah, Yeah, dude, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. How you guys doing? Doing good. Uh, Nick's running a little late, but he will be joining us shortly. Yeah, that's cool. No worries. And uh, I got to say, uh, I saw your Instagram, and I was impressed with the amount of followers you had, but I did not take a look until just like, a, like an hour ago. I started scrolling through your feed. Uh-huh. And I saw the videos that you posted, and I'm thoroughly impressed. So I'm very uh, with this podcast. Which, which, which profile, the fight camp conditioning one or mine? Fight camp conditioning. Ah, uh, right on. Yeah, there's yeah. a lot of good stuff on there, man. We feature, we feature coaches from all over the world, so, so it's been you, fun. You choose all the best ones, and you just, like, you choose the content that you agree with, and you put it on there. Yeah, I try not to... Uh, I try not to do discriminate too much, you know what I mean? But mainly it's just through networking and, and seeing who a lot of the top athletes are, are training with and then reaching out, getting to know them a little bit, and then uh, going from there. That's really good. I didn't, actually, I didn't, I didn't think to, uh, to look at your, your separate um, Instagram account to see. I don't, I, don't pro, I don't promote it too much. It's mainly okay, like so- there's a – there's a few clips and shit like that from boys training, but but it's also a lot of kids and family shit like that too. So gotcha, gotcha. I, I don't really say too much. Gotcha. So how did you get started in uh, in strength conditioning and like fight strength conditioning specifically? Well, I've been I've been training for the uh, twenty some years, and um, when training I, in martial arts. No strength and conditioning, like doing okay. that stuff for a long, long time. Uh, I started out in Chicago and then moved out to California about 14 years ago. And um, That's where you're from originally, Chicago? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, grew up wrestling, doing jujitsu, that type of stuff. And then when I got out here, um, it was kind of a, a funny thing. But I, uh, one of the ladies that runs the apartment complex that I first lived at when I moved out here um, said that I should meet one of the guys that just moved in. And it mm-hmm. was a... It was a kid named Ian McCall. So, <laughs> the, I started, uh, Uncle Creepy. Yeah, Uncle Creepy. So, yeah, yeah. So I started working with him. Kind of helped him make that run where he first fought DJ a couple times, and uh, we had a lot of fun doing it. But just uh, after training him for a little bit, it's a small world, I'm sure, as you guys know. But uh, you know, a lot of boys started coming in. And they bring friends and shit, dude. Every time we had a session, it was like somebody was bringing somebody new. So we were obviously doing something right. Uh, and that was at our first 
locations. So we were training, you know, the gym, our first gym was lined with shirts and shorts and banners and gloves and all kinds of stuff. It was pretty cool to us at least, but we kind of mm -hmm. figured out that it was scaring the shit out of the general population that was paying our bills. <laughs> so <laughs> we, uh, That's usually how it goes. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was just silly to be really honest because, you know, a lot of the boys were, they're tough kids, but because of the rest of their training schedule, we weren't, you know, a lot of times their workouts weren't as difficult as regular Joe's because it's all they yeah. do all week is come see us three times a week and otherwise they don't do nothing. So we could push them pretty hard where a lot of the guys that fight, you know, they got jujitsu, they got boxing, they got Muay Thai, they got this, they got that. They got like three sessions a day and they're worn out. So if we do too much or too hard, you know, they break. So we, uh, but anyway, so we were doing that at the first gym, and then we decided to open a second location, uh, which is a lot bigger, um, and decided to kind of bag the, you know, make sure we bag all the fight stuff, you know, as far as branding for the physical gym. And when we did that, I didn't want to leave the boys hanging. I knew there was a huge need for a lot of good information for those fighters and grapplers so they could perform well. And there wasn't a whole lot of resources at that time. Um, so... That's when I started that fight camp conditioning site. And it was purely just to share information. Um, and then, you know, also to talk with other coaches. Because I realized, you know, we do a lot of good stuff. But there's a lot of coaches around the world that do a lot of good stuff as well. So there's no reason for, for it to be all about me. You know, it doesn't it's make like any a, sense. Well, it's like the different perspectives on strength and conditioning. And from the post that you posted uh, um, that I was able to see I saw like a, a theme like a health um, like structural integrity theme like building that yeah. first as your base and right. then everything else on top of that and like I see that similarity in you and Lauren Landau yeah uh, so and that's that's what got me impressed because you know uh, I have a few training certifications too. I have a degree in biology and health science, so I have a, a deeper understanding of of training. But whenever I see, like, that's kind of like my first thing, you know. Like, if you if you are prioritizing structural integrity for a fighter, like you just said, you know, the they were coming in and the fighters were coming in, and the workouts that they had were easier than the general public because they have all these other workouts that already tells me that you have understanding of how to build and not break fighters yeah i mean they already good enough at breaking themselves already yeah <laughs> right? exactly i mean just just regular training's tough and you know they don't want to pump the brakes they don't want to take days off you know um and i think those mindsets i understand where they're coming from um i love grinding it out and working hard and doing all that type of stuff but when the goal is to show up and compete at the highest levels, health has to be a priority. You know, if, if you're not healthy, you're not going to be able to perform at your best. Um, and it's just the way it is, you know, it's whether people like it or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everybody wants the glamorous, like crazy exercises. Uh, yeah. But it's all like what I'm finding from, from my experience, like I, I'll get, when I first moved to Denver, I was uh, 25 and I get injured. I got injured like three times in one year. And I was like, what the hell is going on? There's a couple of factors. Dehydration being one of them. 
And then not having, like, I was always strong because of bench press and do all, like, I have decent foundation, but I didn't have enough structural integrity and, like, those stabilizer muscles were not, not they were not strong enough to support yeah. all the hard training that I'm doing already. And it wasn't until I started working with Lauren Landau. Uh, hello? <laughs> yeah, I it, it wasn't until I started working with Lauren Landau uh, that I learned a proper warm up, mobility, all these yeah. things. Uh, so, yeah, we went out there. I was out there two or three years ago and filmed with him and his old crew, Eric, and all them boys that are out there. Eric, they have, Nate they have Smock. Such a, I'm sorry? Eric and Nate Smock. Yeah, dude, all those guys. I mean, yeah. I've seen them. I was lucky enough to spend a day at their place and film with them. Um, and then I've, I've seen. Um, those guys at a, a couple times at the UFCPI or NS, you know, NSCA events and stuff like that. They're, they got a good crew over there. They do an incredible job. They're very, very polite, you know, humble. But, I mean, they, those guys pump out some serious athletes, man, for sure. They do. But, but I, what I want to hear is kind of, you know, like there seems to be a base that, you know, like you have a base understanding that's common with them. but. What I want to know is your approach to, to training. Like, let's say, for example, I come into your hypothetical guy, right? Comes into your gym, pretty strong, uh, lacks a little bit endurance, you know, uh, and has a few injuries here and there. You like, and he's like, coach, I need you to get me ready for this fight. We have eight weeks. How do you get started? Well, I mean, it, it, you're always going to start, you know, my first question when anybody comes, you know, a couple of new guys came yesterday and uh, my first question out of the shoots is, are you healthy? You know? Yes. Like, are your joints good? You know, uh, are there injuries, ailments, like that? Because like you said already, I mean, we can't push past that and avoid it or neglect it or if we pile on a bunch of strength work or something explosive on top of some dysfunctional stuff, it'll fall apart. Like something's going to happen, you know? So, um, foundation first, yeah. which is health. First. And if people aren't healthy, I mean, I, it is, it, it does happen for sure. Where guys say, you know, Hey coach, we got eight weeks, but my elbows banged up and we got to make this work, you know? And, and I've had that happen all the time. Um, and you just kind of, to, when it comes to injuries and ailments and stuff like that, I can use regressions and progressions and different types of resistance to keep them moving, right? But obviously, the the first step there is to is to talk with a therapist or somebody like that if it need be to to make sure that they're pushing that injury forward, right, and making them better and healing that stuff up. And I'll coordinate with them to say, okay, cool. Well, hey, if I need to leave that elbow alone. I'll leave it alone. We can work around it, right? We can still do leg stuff. We can still jump and squat and hinge and do all this stuff. We'll do everything we can possibly do around it um, if that's the case, right? The second step from there, once they kind of got, like, they're healthy, they're moving well, they're coordinated, um, then we can start raising the intensity a little bit and going to some more, you know, like work capacity, GPP. There's a million names for it but it's just lower intensity work done for a longer period of time, right? 
it's no different than if I was going to go and do jujitsu or learn boxing or do any of these other things. I would hope that the coach would start me slow, teach me technique, get a lot of reps in, make sure the technique was still good. As I get tired, not letting it just completely fall apart, but building me up so that I'm capable to do even do the stuff that they're wanting me to do, you know? Um, and then all, in, at least in my head, right? All endurance and hypertrophy and strength and power, all it is, is you're just raising the intensity a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. You're making it heavier, 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 and then faster, 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 right? I mean, to make it yes. really, that's all it is. You know, it doesn't need to be super complicated. Um, but we're not going to add weight. We're not going to add intensity unless they're ready for it, unless they're prepared for it. And then once we start transitioning and wanting to work more on speed and power and all that type of stuff, then, you know, if we start, if we start exploding and the technique falls apart, we're jumping too much. We're doing the wrong, we're doing the wrong stuff. So, um, I just try to, I just think of it all as like one long sliding scale and I'm going to push guys as far down that scale as I possibly can before they fight. I agree hundred percent. And we're going to be, we'll be super conscious of everything else that they're doing during the week. Um, so that I understand the, the stresses, all the stresses that they're going through. Um, and then we're going to monitor nutrition and sleep and, you know, whether or not they're fighting with their girlfriend or their wife or whatever it is, you know what I mean? It, yeah. all, it all comes into play. That actually, uh, you, you have a very deep understanding of this. Uh, did you have a, like, a background in education um, and kinesiology? Yeah. Or started, like, I started doing um, therapy and like, working with people with disabilities which I laugh now because I, I tease the boys. I'm like, ah, it's the same thing I'm doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you started off as a physical therapist? Uh, not physical therapy. It was more, it was called uh, uh, recreational therapy that was working with people with disabilities, specifically, right? Sorry, I think Nick just joined us. Nick? What's up, welcome. guys? Hey, what's up, man? Sorry for my lateness. Yeah, it's all right. Actually, uh, I just got back from training with, uh, you know, Foylock, right? I don't. Uh, Coach Choi. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I still got my heart rate monitor on. That's how fresh I'm uh, <laughs> So you're out, you're out here What's in California, up? too. Yeah, yeah. I'm not too far from you. So he, he's in Riverside, yeah. but I live in Carlsbad. So that's oh, why dear. I took Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's about, about an hour and a half. Uh, but... It's worth it. It's worth the drive. Nick, before yeah. you rudely interrupted us, Corey yeah. was telling me about his background and how he got started. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just jump, jump right back. <laughs> I was just kidding. I, like just, I was just wanted time. to hear I just wanted to hear a little more of his but background. But yeah, then uh I kind of stopped doing that. I, I right away, like I did that for about three to six months, something like that, and then quickly realized I didn't want to be in that like clinical environment, the hospital scene that I, I didn't like it at all. Yeah. Um, to relate. and I, uh, I literally was buying running shoes and, uh, the, the guy knew me from high school, just from going in there from wrestling and all that stuff. And, and, uh, he's like, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I, I don't know what I want to do. Like I was kind of lost, you know? 
And uh, he said, hey, the personal training place next door is hiring. Maybe you should give those guys a buzz. So I, I literally called those guys up, scheduled an interview, shadowed. I got, I, the guy said I, I could come in and work with those guys for a little bit. Um, I shadowed him for like three to six months. And he kind of showed me the ropes and got a foundation started. Then uh, just started training, you know. So I, I was working with a few athletes, a few regular Joes, like everybody. And then and then had a whole bunch of jobs in between now, between then and now. And just kind of learned along the way, you know. Through experience. Yeah, you through experience. But, I mean, even that first guy that I was working with, he said, he says, if you want to be better than, you know, 80, 90% of your peers, read something, watch something, learn something all the time. Yeah. And I kind of right. took that to heart and, you know, just am constantly learning from a variety of different people in and out of the gym. Um, when I had my gyms, I used it as an opportunity. I mean, being in Southern California, it was pretty easy to say, hey, we got 7,000 square feet of open space. If you guys are ever in Southern California and want to do workshops, you guys got our place open. You guys can come. So I hit up everybody I wanted to learn from and hosted workshops like every quarter, you know? So do you have a, the, your open mind and uh, enthusiasm for growth and learning is a major contributor to your success. I mean, your Instagram shows it like you, again, you're, uh, you have all these different coaches uh, that are showing, Wadney. No, I was just going to say, hey, Corey, will you do me a favor and, um, and turn your phone sideways. Yeah. Okay. I can't. There okay. There you go. Nice. Yeah. So, so it, just so that we all match. So it's it's um it, it'll look funny when it comes out on the YouTube. Yours will be like. Oh yeah yeah yeah. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. Uh, so go ahead, Nick. Right. No, no. So I I so um you guys just kind of getting done with the background. Did you touch on anything? Anything else? Well, I want to. So I'm saying, the reason. He's one of the best is because his enthusiasm for learning uh, just kept him learning and growing throughout his career. Uh, but do you for so the athletes that you're working with right now, you you have like a supplemental like you treat strength and conditioning as the supplemental uh, a piece of the pie to to training, but. Um, but you're still the one overseeing the whole aspect. Do you have your guys wearing heart rate monitors or anything like that? Do you, are you in charge of like telling them, oh, you know, you've been pushing it too hard. Today's day off. Like hard days, busy yeah. days. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think I think I I really don't personally get too technical with it. The guys that are in the UFC have been uh, fortunate, or if they if they're open to it, I've used a software called Omega Wave. Which, mm -hmm. which they'll just do like a four-minute reading in the morning and the and uh, before they start training, and it gives them a readout of not only their heart rate variability but um, also there's a, a something called DC potential, which is just basically um, in the most simple terms is measuring the efficiency of their uh, trans you know their nerve signals, right? So there's mm. like a a patch on your head and a patch on your palm and and then it, it kind of runs for four minutes and it'll give you feedback, visual feedback on, on your endurance, preparedness, 
your speed and power preparedness, your strength preparedness, and then your uh, skill preparedness. Like, wow. And that, from my, from my is understanding. That program, is that that program that, that Henry Cejudo's been talking about? It sounds like the same name. Do you, do you no, know? Uh, they, that place is called Neuroforce in, in Arizona. Um, oh, that's right. But, I mean, honestly, it's <clears throat> there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to measure how your body reacts to stress, right? So if somebody goes out and clanks back like 15, 20 drinks, like dude, their Omega wave reading is shot, <laughs> right? That has an effect. That has an effect on you, whether you people realize it or not. Same as if you spar every single day or wrestle every single day live, right? If the, if the intensity and the, and the dose of that stress is too high and you're not able to recover from it, something's going to falter and every athlete's different. So I don't, I don't know. I haven't used the NeuroForce system at all. I've only used Omega Wave. Um, but it's important to measure that type of stuff, I think, because even the athletes that come and see me, they're all, they, they can be both, let's say two guys come in and they're elite right? They're both ranked top 10 in the UFC. And you'd think like, wow, they're, they're professional athletes. They should all be fine. What they do during this workout, their response to that workout might be the same. But a lot of times the response to a workout is completely different between two guys, you know, and that could be so, from a lot of different factors. So I think it's just a matter of, of, of monitoring it somehow. I know a lot of guys low tech wise, I say, Hey, Worst case scenario, just measure your resting heart rate first thing in the morning. Put your fingers, put your fingers on your wrist or your, or your throat and just tell me your resting heart rate every day. Monitor it. Write it down. And if your heart rate jumps for whatever reason, like five or six beats from normal, take the day off. Like yeah. you can do something as, as low tech and simple as that, or you can have some fancy software if they're into it and they even use it. But if they don't use it, it's worthless. You know? That's how I started with just measuring my heart rate. Then it became heart rate variability also for my right. morning readiness. Now this is the third component that I've never even heard of. So my understanding, it measures your like nervous system readiness. Yeah. DC That's pretty potential. cool. Is that, is that like an app or, or it's a device that you buy? Yeah. If you look up, if you just look up Omega Wave. Omega uh, Wave. Omega Wave. They uh, they've been around for a long time. A lot of professional teams. Uh, I know the UFCPI um, had recruited um, a guy from Omega Wave that's in their facility that kind of manages that aspect for them. Um, oh. So if the kids are, they have like a team app, and then they're able to see if if one of my guys does a reading, their team app gets updated, and then. Roland gets a, a notification and he can flag the boys or, or let them know if something's way off. So can you, can you gauge like Omega wave? I feel like is, is like the, on the top of the pyramid, but at the bottom you have the heart rate, heart rate variability. I, can it be that somebody's heart rate variability and heart rate is good. They're ready to go, but their Omega wave is not good. Does that happen? Yeah, like what, what has more weight? Like, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. Here, I'll, I'll tell you real quick, like what typically happens, and it's because you have person, you have people involved, right? Um, and people are all different, and the reaction or their even desire to know this type of stuff is different, right? Some people are really into it, 
some people are like, honestly, fuck that thing. I don't want to, I don't want to <laughs> deal with it. I'm just going to train hard every day and be tough. And, yeah. and sometimes, I mean, you can only influence people so much, right? And if somebody wants to grind it out and that's the way they've always done it and they've had success doing it, they're probably not going to change, right? Um, from my experience, people typically want to change when things aren't going their way, not when they are. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, um, and some, some people are like, um, maybe that, that kind of makes them a little bit of who they are. You know what I mean? Like dialing them back, changing them. It could stress true. them That's out. Right. I have a guy, I have, well, I mean, to be really honest, like most of these guys that do extremely well fighting aren't the norm, right? They're, yeah. They got a couple screws loose. They like to get rowdy. They, they enjoy that type of shit, you know, which is yeah. cool. Like, I love it. But um, I think, you know, at least from mine, I give them information and then it is, it's up to them. Like everybody, everybody has that makes their own damn decisions day to day. I only see my guys, what, like two, three hours a week. Mm -hmm. They're not with me a lot more than they are. But I just try to provide like, hey, let's kind of lay out your weekly schedule. Let's not make, let's make sure that you're, you're hitting it like 100%, maybe once or twice a week, you know, and then it will kind of... We kind of lay everything out so that they're not killing themselves. So you, know, you they can actually them. recover from the week. You have them redlined no more than twice a week, right? Yeah. By red, like, and I mean like sparring or rest, like hard practices like that. Or right. Then if once it goes more than twice, it's uh, diminishing returns. Well, because there's uh, a. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, go, go, go ahead. You finish, please. Well, because there's a, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of other work that week, right? So, I mean, if they, let's say they spar Tuesdays and Saturdays, right? Or like in Lauren, like in the Lauren Landau's example, I believe their big sparring day out there um, was Friday night, right? Yeah. So, when the guys come and see them on Friday morning, they did like an aerobic capacity, very, very light workout, just get the boys feeling good so they could actually perform and spar to their potential so their coaches got a good look. If he beat the snot out of them that morning and they went into sparring flat, the coach might think they're not prepared, but it's just because they're wiped out, they're tired, right? So you'd have to understand the rest of their schedule and everything that's going on and then organize the heart, ideally organize the really intense practices all on one day. Hmm. And then the next day should be a lot easier, maybe drilling or something like that so they can actually recover from those hard days. If you just do something hard every single day, you never really get a chance to recover. I was going to ask that. So when you said, like, you know, if the heart rate, um, the resting heart rate or the variability is not looking good, and you tell them, like, okay, take a day off, um, do you have them take a, a, a complete, like, a rest entirely or, like, maybe just drill or does it depend? Yeah, it just depends, you know. Okay. Because I mean, like, It's like a, a lot of factors, right? There's context. There's context to all of it. So, I mean – if it's going to stress them out that they're not doing anything and it's really going to bug them, then maybe they just pump the brakes and, and work on a specific skill or something like that, a combination and do it a ton that they're trying to prepare for a fight, you know, yeah. or something along those lines. Like I'm not a skill coach, but I understand the, the stress that they're going through. Um, Keeping the heart. Sorry. No, I was going to that's me. Like I can't take the like if, if like if I'm overdone, I'm like okay. Well, then tomorrow is just drilling 
And even if I'm just slowly going through the motions and my heart rate never gets above 90, like right. at least I'm like instilling some, I'm doing something, but I'm not like, that's helping me be prepared, but I'm not basically taking zero tax. That's like, tax active recovery, right? By definition, yeah. if the heart rate's you know, that week, low. Last week, for example, I had a kid that, uh, he got after it pretty hard, like three days in a row and was pretty beat up and he really likes to surf. And I said, Hey dude, swells good. Go surf, have fun. <laughs> and his reading, his reading the next day was all green. And he was like fried going into that day, but just being able to go out and play, get out of the gym, get out of that norm. It allowed him to still stay active and he was fine. Yeah, surfing wrecks me, but it's also because I suck at it. So it's yeah, not, yeah, exactly. I, me too, man. I just live in the Washington scene and just get worked. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, I wanted to ask you, kind of like what, what? Um, so you were saying you're only with them a few days a week, and obviously, you know, if they're only having one or two, you know, hard red line days, those are probably going to be the sparring days, maybe wrestling. Um, when they're with you, how much? like actual conditioning like getting their heart rate to the roof are you doing or is that you mostly doing like uh strength and core stability things like that um when the guys as far as conditioning goes the guys that come and see me um i know from their schedule they get after it pretty good right in their skill practices and yeah. and i know that they grind and i know the intervals that they're running like 20 to 20 to 60 seconds 90 minutes two minutes you know 90 90 seconds to two minutes, like they're grinding it out pretty good, right? That lactic system that, that, you know, where everything's burning, that's kind of the, the zone that they live in with their coach. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've kind of learned to work above and below that. Right. So if they don't have a fight scheduled and I'm going to do any type of conditioning at, I'll recommend that they, they stay in that aerobic zone and just kind of build out that aerobic power that aerobic capacity that type of stuff at a lower intensity for longer duration so they can build a good base as they get so like close to their what's that so like jogging or something along those lines yeah it don't matter to drill it's just it really matters just like where the heart rate's at for whatever it is that they're doing right so that could be drilling if they if they're disciplined enough to do that right yeah. So what, <laughs> if it what doesn't percentage? escalate in like two seconds and then they're right back to redlining again, but um, what if they can do that, cool. But they could swim, they can bike, they can surf, they can play, they can do whatever the hell they want to do. But I want to build that low base system, right? Mm -hmm. As they start getting closer to the fight, we'll start doing a lot more explosive alactic type work so that they're able to repeat, to not only produce a lot of power, but then to be able to repeat that power throughout their 15 minutes or 25 minutes, whatever it is, right? Because I noticed a lot, a lot of guys will grind it out all the time. And they're normally at like 60 to 80%. Yeah. But they can, they can wrestle hard for like an hour, but I've seen it. Like I've been there. You, you're not going at 100%. And then mm -hmm. when you get in a fight and the adrenaline's running and you actually have to go to 100% and you've only been training at 60 to 80 you will gas out just like everybody else if you're not prepared for it. So we, we work a lot as the fight gets closer. We do a lot more explosive type repeats. Uh, kind of like in the, in the low rep range or can you, can you explain what a lactic means? A lactic's just like a, a hundred meter sprinter, like is an easy way to think about it. Right. 
those guys can go insanely fast, but you can only do that type of stuff for like five to 15 seconds, mm. right? The average, the guys at the PI, when they, the, the UFC PI, when they came out with their uh, manual, had a lot of really good statistics and like a 135 pound fight, the will typically have about three to four explosive bursts per minute, wow. right? The longest flurry in UFC history, I think, is like seven or eight seconds. So, <laughs> and I mean, it, in the moment, everybody's like, holy shit, I just I can't believe those guys just sat there and pounded each other in the face for that long. Yeah. But it really needs to just be like a three to five second explosion, followed by a little, like, 10 to 15 seconds of low, low movement, you know, moving around and stuff like that. And then being able to repeat that for 15 minutes. So when you do that alactic work, like, um, um, let's say you're doing something, something explosive, jump squats or something, whatever. Um, is it like you're going to do a set of three or four, um, and then you're taking like a few minutes rest, or is it like an interval thing? You're taking 20 second rest and going again. If you want to, if you want to develop, power um you're not really worried about the capacity of that system or your ability to do it for over and over and over again to develop power you need a lot a lot of rest and, and that probably be further away from the fight you're going to develop that and then as you get closer to the fight you're going to develop more your ability to repeat that over and over so it becomes less about power development and more about your ability to recover from those bursts Sure. Okay. Makes sense. So you recover while moving? Yeah. I mean, sometimes we'll, we'll do a burst and then I'll just have them, you know, shadow box or do some movement drills. Or sometimes we just sit. Like, it just depends on the person. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because it's really, it's just about getting your heart rate back down, right? And then processing out that lactic acid. Because the more you do, I mean, if we dig ditches with a shovel. Mm-hmm right now out of the gate none of us have done it before i don't know what you guys do every day but if we go dig a ditch we're probably going to have torn up hands and we'll be sore as hell and we're going to sleep good at night and we're not going to be we don't want to do it tomorrow but if you do that shit every day you get used to it and your body adapts right mm -hmm. it's no different with this type of stuff you know we should vary the intensity and the volume of training throughout the year so we're not constantly grinding in the body on one certain way and then obviously you want to scale your training so that you're at your peak performance for your event right which which will mean you know you're going to vary the training during camp you know outside of camp and it you know it's always changing it's always evolving mm -hmm. I, I, I really, go ahead i was going to ask for um, your elite athletes, how many hours a week are they putting in total training? Like, and I'm talking about stretching, I'm talking about sauna. If you had to sum up their training volume, how many hours a week do you, do you think the uh, elite they're athletes are putting in? They're 100% full-time. I get text messages at 6.30 in the morning, and I'll get text messages at 9.30 at night. You know, I mean... So they're, they're training probably two to three times a day. They're going to some type of therapy, um, you know, therapy, massage, stretching. They'll do 
hot and cold therapy, recovery methods, you know, sauna stuff. They're, you know, prepping food or, or doing whatever. But, I mean, they're full-time, man. It's, it's an all-day thing. They don't really get a whole lot of time off. Well, yeah, what I'm saying is, like, how, like, where their heart rate's going up, whether it be 100 beats per minute or 180. How many For actual hours, training. Actually, How many training, hours? Well, physical therapy, your heart rate could go up a little bit too. Sauna, your heart rate goes up a little bit too. When you're stretching after a hard training, your heart rate still, like when you do some mobility, your heart rate still not at its baseline. That that is my question. How many hours do you think they're putting in? Twenty-five, thirty. If you say they train twice a day, right? I'd be I'd be surprised if I found too many people that were at an elite level, like in the UFC and stuff like that, that didn't train twice a day. Mm -hmm. um, maybe they train twice a day, Monday, Tuesday. I've heard a lot of people taking Wednesday night off, so they train just once on Wednesday, so they get a little breather, and then going Tuesday, Thursday hard. And then maybe Saturday morning, then taking the rest of the weekend off. Um, so you figure if it if that's the example, you got four, five, nine, let's say ten sessions a week. As sessions probably what hour and a half. Yeah, ninety minutes. That's usually what I shoot for. I mean, nobody shows up on time, and everybody gets going late, and <laughs> it goes a little longer than you think, right? So, I, I, you know what? Uh, so are, are, do you, are you from California originally? Southern no, California? I grew up in uh, Texas and Chicago. Oh, really? Uh, were you in like the gym and like martial arts scene at the time? Uh, just I grew up wrestling and doing jujitsu. So. Oh, okay. It, it, in my experience, I, I have never been to Texas or Chicago, but in my all the places that I've been, that whole uh, pro practice starts at 10, so everyone show up at 1020 and we'll get going at 1030. Yeah. That's like in my experience is a southern california thing only like i remember like oh, when, I moved to, when i moved to colorado and i'd be late like it, the whole practice would turn around and be like what are you doing i'm like i give him so about? much shit. <laughs> this is where we're supposed to get here <laughs> i give yeah, him yeah. so much shit. i'd be like hey nick how do you expect to be a champion you can't make it a practice sometimes <laughs> I, love it. I would say it so loud that the coach our coach our wrestling coach was a hard ass we hear it and give him shit too <laughs> I was just repeating what he said before. Even if I was like three minutes late to practice, that people would be like, "Like, dude, what a loser!" Yeah, <laughs> to, con I hear you. To, con to contrast that, I show up to practice an hour early. And if I if I don't show up an hour early, then I'm late. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, I, 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 Root has a very extensive like warm up thing that that he goes through. Neck games. Actually, I wanted to ask about that. So, so Arut and I are both um, uh, neck neck muscle enthusiasts. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so, let, maybe we could talk a little bit about that. Like, what um, what kind of stuff are you doing, and then also um, how how important and not important it is, and then and then uh, why is it important? I think there's a there's, when I think about weak links. Like common common weak links, like if you look at like common injuries and stuff like that with these types of sports, neck neck is definitely up there. Mm. Um, upper back, shoulders, um, low back, trunk. Uh, you think about people's hips, like most people's glutes and stuff like that, their grip, their feet. Those are all real common weak links, right? Yeah. Um, because I think our sedentary lifestyle – 
um, when it comes to like the feet, your hands, your ass, and your trunk. Like we don't really do much. Like yeah. life's it's really freaking easy to live where we live. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. not like we're carrying we're not carrying water buckets half a mile home or or working you know building stuff or using our hands all day long. Most of us, right? It's life's pretty sedentary, so that catches up with us and and creates a lot of weakness when it comes to the neck. It's the same thing. Most people staring at their phones all day long. You know, not only is everybody protecting their neck and their chin and training, but then they're just staring at their cell phone and everybody's head just continuously just keeps falling forward and everybody's posture is terrible and it just makes it worse. Um, and then obviously getting punched and choked and grappling and scrambling and doing all that type of stuff, you use your head a lot, right? So, I mean, there's a reason why a lot of wrestlers have – pretty thick necks because they're using that shit all the time right? right it's no different than a plumber having strong hands mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. i think uh i think it's one of those things like typically i'll use a lot of those types of exercises to address those areas as accessory lifts like towards the end that's the cool down or, that's what I or, do. I'll, or ideally i'll integrate them into some compound movement so like if instead of just doing a chin-up we might be doing a chin-up with some messed up grip or something like that so they're forced to integrate it with all the other stuff they're using hmm. so for you it's more of a, it's a, an injury prevention tool because uh, cause, uh, um you know a lot of people are of the of the the school that neck muscles help take a shot you know you're, you're, yeah. you're absorbing impact and things like that the, the research and everybody that I've talked to about that agrees that absolutely it can help you prevent injury, mm -hmm. but it's not going to help you from getting knocked out because mm -hmm. typically the knockout shots are the ones you don't see coming and they're, they're, they're just because you're strong. It just, you're not going to, it's not going to help. <laughs> right? I, I was, I was thinking the, the other day because I, I was, um, like of that school of thought, uh, and actually you, um, so I knew that was going to be answered because you addressed it on your Instagram like a, a week ago and I, so, or a few days ago, maybe and I saw that and I started thinking, and I've been doing a lot of next stuff. Um, and when I started doing next stuff and I had to pick the amount of weight that I was putting on there, that's what made me think like, wait a second, like I can like at max pull like 20 pounds maybe and, uh, and tweak my neck. You know, and like how many pounds of force are in like a left hook, you know, probably huge. You know, I, I don't know what that is, but I'm sure it's three digits, right? And from my understanding, it's a, it's when the jaw goes up and hits that, you know, if you're, the nervous signal gets, the lights are out, dude. It's not a, it's not a muscular thing. It's a, it's a nervous system thing that makes you drop. So, I mean. You know, I think, I think, again, I think the next step is, is incredibly beneficial. I think it's a huge piece of the puzzle for combat athletes, but I don't believe it's going to help people from necessarily getting knocked out all the time. Knocked out. Well, not, yeah. Does that break your heart? No, because I see what, I, I agree with that. Yeah, like, if you don't see a punch coming, no matter how strong your neck is, good luck. <laughs> yeah, I right. Mean, but... Uh, but if you do see a punch coming and you brace for it and you clench your jaw a little bit, it I feel like it definitely uh, helps absorb the impact. Of course. Of course it'll help. It's it's going to yeah. keep you from getting injured, you know? Yeah. Um, did you have any anything specific you wanted to get into, Because I had a um, 
you, you start. I know you had a few questions, so I'll let you go. Um, your video just disappeared. What is that? I'll be right back. Give me one second. I'm oh, pulling up. Okay. Okay. Uh, so this DC back to that DC potential. Uh, so it measures your nervous system uh, readiness, right? Yeah. Like if if uh, what, is it like? What's the uh, measurement, I guess? What is it? Oh, man. If you want to get into the technical aspects of that whole measurement thing, there's a Omega Wave, a whole handbook and manual that I have on the website. So if you go on fightcamconditioning.com and search Omega Wave, I've interviewed, mm -hmm. the, I've interviewed the lady that runs North America, um, and she did an incredible job explaining a lot of that more that stuff in more detail. And then you can download that book for free and just geek out if you want. Yes, and I will do that. <laughs> that's that's good. <laughs> uh, so another thing I want to ask, but you actually already covered it. You, uh, so on the days off, as long as if you br bring your heart rate to like below sixty percent. Uh, as an active recovery, that should probably even uh, help your recovery, not hinder. Like, sure it does. You don't, not, because you're getting that extra blood flow, right? You're, you're yep. getting the heart pumping just a little bit, kind of staying engaged and just moving the metabolic waste along your body. Yeah, so, it's good to move. Everybody should move more. Should move more. And then you just got to uh, choose the appropriate activities. I mean... You know, it, it, so that you're, uh, I mean, just a variety of activities, I think, makes people better athletes, you know? Definitely. The more the better. Um, let's, um, I kind of, what I, one of the things I wanted to ask about, because I've seen um, pretty much every strength conditioning coach that I've worked with has laid this out in a different way. But how do you run your your phasing and like yeah, your periodization? You know, what does that look like on average? I'm sure it's different for everybody, right? But you already talked yeah, about we, it a little bit. We we kind of talked about that at the beginning, but it's pretty simple. I mean, there's there's basically uh, four questions, four or five questions that I ask people, and they're very very simple. The first one I'll ask everybody what, and they come in is, "Are you healthy?" Um, and that changes from week to week, right? I mean. Somebody could be healthy last week and they show up on Tuesday and I'm like, hey, where's everybody at? We all good? And I ask yeah. it every single time, right? And if they're not healthy, I have to stop. I have to address whatever it is going on and adjust the workout accordingly, right? Whether they're three weeks out from a fight or three months out, it doesn't make any difference. We still have to address it some way, shape, or form, right? Um, second one is, are you in shape, right? Cardiovascular and muscular endurance. Are you able to even perform for the time needed, right? Um, and then we can start playing in, are you strong? Um, strength is a, a huge component that everybody agrees with. Um, even if you're, if you're twice as strong as the guy you're fighting, your conditioning, so to speak, is going to be better because you're not going to have to work as hard to push that guy around. He's going to have to work twice as hard. Right. Um, and then, are you powerful? Are you, are you, can, I, can I get that guy a little bit quicker, a little bit faster? Can I get him a little bit more explosive before he needs to compete? Um, and typically, it's that. I'll push, I'll push guys down that sliding scale as far as I possibly can without hurting them um, so that they are 
as violent as possible when they need to be. You know? And is that, is that what it like? What? It went from health, capacity, then strength, then power. That was like the, the last one, power and explosiveness. But it's on that spectrum. Like first, I mean, I don't know if spectrum is right, the right word, but it's in that order of operations. The foundation is health, then capacity, then strength, power. Power is the top of the pyramid. Is that chronologically how you approach it, like throughout a fight camp? Yeah, typically. Okay. Just finish around with power. And then, and then are you doing, like when you get into those last few weeks and you're doing power, is it um, just like pure power output or, or like, or no. like um, capacity? Typ typically we'll go, if they're strong enough and then we can start working on, you know, peak power, right? getting them to produce more power and then we'll transition into getting them to repeat those explosive efforts leading into their fight. Right. Mm -hmm. And that can involve, I mean, we're cutting and we're manipulating volume. We're manipulating intensity. We're manipulating all that stuff so that they can peak for their event. You know, so like three to four weeks out, you know, they're starting to maybe cut weight that needs to be taken into account. All the other skill coaches that they're working with, they're like, hey, this guy's got a fight coming up in three or four weeks. Everybody's hammering on these kids, you know? So I just give them a, a pretty short, abbreviated dose to fire up their nervous system and make sure they're healthy. Mm -hmm. um, they can move quick. Yeah, they're moving quick. They're able to repeat those explosive efforts. All right, cool, stop. Like pump the brakes. We don't need to do a lot. My sessions, you know, two and three weeks out from a fight can be 30 minutes or less. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, I mean, it's really short and abbreviated. And I do a lot less today than I did even, you know, six, eight years ago. Wow. It's, it's, it's always tough for me to like be um, accepting of that in that phase, you know, when mm -hmm. like, you know, 30 minutes saying like, all right, we're done. I'm like, you sure? Well, here's, here's what I did to, to help with that. You explained to them that I wanted them to be violent, right? And they'll agree. I'm like, yeah, that's a good thing, right? You want to be as violent as possible for your time. You don't need to train eight to ten rounds when you're only fighting three. I want mm -hmm. you to be – it teaches you the wrong thing, in my opinion. I think you'll get – people's tendency is to – if the coach says, hey, we're going to do, you know, eight rounds today, you know, hope you got your cup on, bite down on your mouthpiece, and everybody shows up. Just be tough, yeah. right? Everybody that I talk to is like, I go, well, how, how, what, how do you come out first and second round? You pace like, yourself. Oh, you slow. You pace yourself. You're like, God damn it, this is going to suck. Yeah. Well, what that teaches people to do is to come out slow. So a lot of guys that come out slow in a fight come out slow because that's how they've taught themselves over the last few months, right, or years, if that's the case, right? Where if you just say, look, you're only going to do three. I need you to be violent from the bell to bell, right? You have to be explosive. Well, I'll do the same thing if I'm having them work. I can show them output. I can show them numbers. Like we use a, a, a pulley called VersaPulley, and it has a digital readout to show me the output that they're doing, right? How much force are they producing? Well, then what I learned is everybody likes to compete. So if I get the boys, like two or three guys competing to hit a number and talking shit, their numbers <laughs> go through the roof. Yeah. You know? so yeah. Then I just, I've learned to just kind of make it like, all right, guys, look, 
I need you to do three reps or five reps of this thing. And you're not allowed to go under this number, right? And, you know, then we'll have someone, you know, loser, loser has to buy whatever, you know what I mean? Something stupid like that. Yeah. yeah. And they, then I get the numbers I'm looking for, right? Because then it's a competition. It's fun. It's kind of, it's in the intensity and the volume that I was shooting for, but I had to create um, an environment where they had to compete. As a, if it's not a competition, a lot of guys don't turn on, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, well, it's something that you do so much, it's hard to, like, be excited for unless there's, unless there's something on the line. Right. Even if it's, like, your pride or, or whatever. Like, I had, a, I had an Olympic wrestler that somebody brought in, and he came in a few times, and I literally asked the guy who brought him, I said, did you bring this dude dude he's fucking lazy right <laughs> and uh and then he came in late of course one day and he had to curse a talent right he had to curse a talent and but he asked me we were doing like a, a broad jump or something like that we were doing testing doing broad jumps and stuff like that and he goes hey bro what's the best score <laughs> right and he go i go well what's your best score you ain't even done it he goes no what's the best score period <laughs> And then I realized, like, all right, so I told him. And when I started just playing games with him and making everything a competition, dude, his Olympic wrestlerness came out, dude. He was a beast. But it, uh, had, to be a, it had to be a competition. He wasn't into just, co like, just going through the motions, you know? That's the psychological side of training. Yeah. yeah. So maybe it's a weight. Maybe it's a numbers. People measure bar speed. People, you know, time stuff. You can do it a lot of different ways, but... Uh, so I think that's an important piece sometimes to throw that in there to get to really get that hundred percent that you're looking for some you know when you need it. And that's mm -hmm. nice when, that's the nice part about when you're doing strength conditioning with the team and not just by yourself. You you have like whether you're deadlifting or whatever, you just have these you 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 even if it's silently inside your head you're competing. Right. You want to do better than the next guy. And I think that's when it also becomes important to, to have tests, to have, you know, to track your efforts because it all can bleed together pretty quick and you don't remember, you know, and, you, and you know, a month, three months can go by and you're still using the same weight and going through the same motions and Most. everybody falls into their habits and you stop making progress. Yeah, yeah. definitely. What would you say is kind of the – the biggest difference when you're applying strength conditioning to MMA, like as opposed to some of the other like team sports and things like that, or is, is there a difference? There's a huge difference. Um, one, I mean, we got all the other skill training that they're going through, right? But every sport has practices. That's not unique. Um, but the demands of the, the energy demands of this sport are unique, right? I mean, football's what? three to five seconds at a time right a lot of rest in there so i mean those boys those boys have a it's a tough job for sure but they're insanely explosive and i don't you know from fighting and stuff like that you've probably seen the guys that come in you know from that environment that are uh, that are huge strength crazy power output but they can't hang yeah right? they don't have that that energy system built out or, you know, from like somebody like soccer where they're, you know, running 
constantly pretty much for like 90 minutes. I mean, they might have a huge gas tank, but maybe their power output, their strength and power and output isn't there, right? Um, Do with, MMA, with MMA, you got all these characters that, you know, you'll have a striker versus wrestler or jiu-jitsu versus the striker guy. And I think that's the perfect example of like, those guys are all different and you need all of it to be able to compete. Because if you get a guy that's a striker and you just grind him up against the cage and put him on his back and make him fight and carry your weight, they'll fall apart if they're not prepared for it. Where the wrestlers can do that shit all day long, right? Mm -hmm. But they might not have the, the snap or the pop on their stand-up, right, as a striker may have. So maybe that's their weakness in the grand scheme of things, you know? You got to have it all in MMA. What? I think you got to have it all. And then like, you need the endurance, you need the power. It's just like, it's so much. You just need so much. It's never ending. Yeah. Can, can I think that's when, the, that's can, when the periodization and learning when to do certain things is so important, you know? When in relation to competition? Yeah. Um, so do those things like work in opposition to each other? Like, can you peak both of those things or is it something where like the more power you gain, you lose cardio and then vice versa? I've talked to a lot of people that train a lot of these guys and, and a lot of people fall in like with Lauren Landau, they'll do like a concurrent training schedule where they are trying to build all these qualities throughout every single week. Right. Right. And I think that's an incredibly intelligent approach because um, you can have some ebb and flow to your week if you get the schedule right and then everybody's on board and your body stays healthy. Mm -hmm. um, plus, I don't know about you guys, but a lot of last minute opportunities that pop up. And if you're, right. you know, you're fat and strong, you're, you're <laughs> kind of shit out of luck, you know? Um, <laughs> when it comes to it, you know, so I think having that rhythm to your week and just kind of these guys, you fighters don't need to have the vertical or the explosiveness of an NFL guy. I don't, we can work, we can work towards it, but we don't need a, a 42 inch vertical. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, you need a, you kind of need to be gray. It's not black or white. You need to just kind of be gray in the middle with everything kind of good, decent at a lot of stuff. Right. Jack of all trades, master of none. Yeah, I mean, it really does become that. And then, obviously, you'll have a little bit of variance from athlete to athlete in that scale, but um, it is important. You can't get, you can't let anything fall too far off. But let's say, like, like, like taking your example of a, a soccer player versus an NFL uh, player. So, an NFL guy has lots of power, but not so much cardio, and then and the other way around. Is that because? he's dedicating so much time to his power or is doing that power work does that actually take does it do you inherently lose cardio no you're not gonna lose that the, the thing of it's like when people say if you're trying to get strong like people that lift in the weight room and they're trying to get big numbers or put on size they're uh -huh. scared to death to do cardio it's foolish it's just so stupid because you know, there's a lot of dudes that work all day long. Like, think of a blue-collar dude that digs ditches or, or works construction or something like that. I've wrestled and rolled with a lot of those guys, and they're fucking savages. The strongest guys, man. 
by Stop. far. And it's sub-maximal work all day long. Mm-hmm. Right? Like mm-hmm. a farm boy. They don't max out. He's not trying to pick a cow up. He's just doing <laughs> low-level work all damn day, and he has since he was five years old. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that builds a lot of strength, man. And I think that, you know, I know it's like Olympic lifters, you could say, or like NFL guys. Well, they're the, like, they're like the freaky top of the food chain, and their 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 performance is above their health, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they 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 have to max out every single minute thing they can possibly think of to get like five more kilograms on the bar or whatever it is. Or, or if their 40 speed is subpar, when they go to the combine, they're screwed. They don't get a contract and they miss out on millions. Right. We don't, I don't necessarily believe that the MMA fighters or grapplers need that elite level of any of it. Right. So I don't think, you can do all that. You can do a lot of that stuff on the same week and develop those qualities and, and maintain them. Um, and you can push them forward at certain times of the year if it's appropriate, but I don't, I don't think we need to get as crazy as like an elitist like kind of person that's just, that's their whole world is this like speed, for example. You know? Yeah, yeah. They just specified in that. I, from, what, from what I understand, you're saying – there's only a certain amount of workouts you have in a week. And these athletes choose to put all their eggs, all their workouts in that one basket. But uh, it's not that doing that uh, makes your cardio worse. It's just you're just spending more time on explosive. Well, we get better at the things that we train. Right. Period. And if you don't train something, then something gets worse. Yeah. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's the most simple way to think of it, you know? Yeah, definitely. Do you think – have have Yeah, I have one final question, and this is very important to me. Uh, do you think somebody comes in to, uh, to you with shitty cardio, like below average cardio, and, uh, but, like, their goal is to become a cardio machine? You know, do you think that's possible? Yeah. I do. Absolutely. It is. I mean, it's just a matter of whether or not they'll have the patience to build that foundation, the capacity, the foundation that building that aerobic capacity, aerobic power and capacity, um, isn't necessarily sexy. It's not fun. Right. It's, yep. it's no different than somebody that like everybody wants to do all the big strength and power stuff that they see on Instagram that gets a lot of likes, which is red. I get it, you know, but we all have to do the boring kind of monotonous things. The steady do. state. Yeah. Not even just steady state, but even just like aerobic intervals and, and going through that. And then it's a pretty tedious process if you really get down to it. Um, but it absolutely can be done. I mean, I just, you just look around and you say, okay, cool. Like what I always do is who has the best cardio or conditioning, right? And maybe you look to, you know, triathletes, maybe you look towards runners, distance runners and stuff like that. And then you can pick their brain and figure out what they're doing and how they do it. But all those guys have developed that over years, you know? Yeah. 
Mm -hmm. So conditioning wise, I do, I do believe, I think the biggest mistake people make with conditioning is they do way too damn much, you know? And even if you don't have a fight scheduled, you're smashing yourself. And it's kind of, what happens typically is people will grind themselves up. It typically will get hurt because their body's just broken down. And then when they're hurt is when the wheels fall off because then you're sidelined and you're like, and you're out. It's like, it's like COVID the last three months. You, you get injured, you're out for three months. Good luck coming back. Like, I think, you know, I just saw that on your Instagram. I think it said people overestimate the short term and underestimate the long term. That probably, that sums up what you just said, right? Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, it's like the turtle in the hair, right? I hated that shit when I was young, but it's the truth, man. It's like, if you're just a steady Eddie, like think about it this way. If you, let's say you take two weeks off every year, right? Let's say you train, uh, let's say you guys train with me three times a week. That's 150 sessions a year, right? If you miss one, like I would just, you miss a, you miss a session once a week, right? Happens all the time, somebody misses a session. Uh, that's 50 less sessions in a year. If you compound that by five years, it's 250 sessions that you missed. 250 sessions is a ton. Yeah. Right? That's, if that's you, like taking six months off. Oh, it's, it's killer. But then, but that's the game, right? I mean, nobody that's a professional fighter has probably been fighting for less than, what would you say? Five years? Ten years? For To be a pro, yeah, I mean, probably five years, yeah. Five years. Five, yeah. So there you go. There's a reason why certain guys do extremely well and others struggle. And I truly, with all my heart, if you ask any of the guys that train with me, they're like, what's most important to Corey? They all will laugh and say consistency, you know? Because if they don't show up, they get a text. Like, where the fuck right. you at? You know? <laughs> like, what's going on? Like, what are we doing? You know? So, because I realize how important that is, not only for their athletic development, but even psychologically um it can if people take a fight last minute and they know they haven't been consistent that doesn't help them mm -hmm. right um so and i mean you, they, i was i was saying you you like like kind of summed up my whole like the the whole premise of my career or like my my the way that i've approached it because i always yeah. i talk about this all the time but like when i started training i was a super Un, unnatural like i had the uh, whatever the opposite of talent is that's what i had and i just thought like <laughs> and i just thought like all right well over the years like over a decade or, or 15 years like if i just don't miss days that guy's gonna miss so many so so many over over 10 years like that's enough time enough practices for me to catch up you know what i mean and and so far it's true I, I, i've only ever met there's there's actually a friend of mine that's going to be getting his black belt soon. And I was just thinking about this because he's the only guy that I've ever met that, that started like after me and then eventually passed me. And he, he only yeah. does it too, but like he, it, but I, I'm not, I like, I'm, I'm not mad about it at all. But like, it's, it's cool to see because I know he puts in, because he, he only does jujitsu. So he's only that one thing. And like, I know he puts in more mat time than me, like for jujitsu. Right. I'm like that's that's all it is that's like like yeah it, every single day everyone counts and I, i've heard actually like 
Kobe talking about that when he talks about off seasons and things like that. He's like, I, I've been doing it. I've been doing this off season stuff since I started. Like I stay on it all the time. So right. no matter how much work you did last summer, like you're never going to catch me. I've got a 15 year head start of like just doing off season work, you know? No doubt. I mean, it's a huge deal, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I heard that. Uh, I was with the uh, same on that point, but I met Randy Couture at an event and, uh, I asked him, I said, yo, I go, I don't want I don't to bug you for long, but I go, how the hell did you last so long? Mm -hmm. right? The dude fought when he was what? 47. 48? 47, 48. 48. 48. So, and he laughed and he said, he says, win, lose, or draw, I was back in the gym on Monday. Yeah. And he said, we obviously, we take it slow and stuff like that. I wasn't going to, you know, get in there and bang him up, but. He goes, win, lose, or draw. I was in back on Monday, and I never, ever stopped training. And he goes, he goes, I see guys all the time. They win, they lose, they disappear for a week, a month, you know, whatever it is. And then when they come back, right, it's like our current situation right now. I'm, I keep telling the boys, I, most of my guys have been pretty consistent, but people come back in after being off for a few months, and they want to spar and get back like they wanted, you know, they were before. There's going to be a wave of injuries. Right? Yeah. So, yeah, the consistency part's huge. And just creating a schedule that you can recover from and maintain for a long period of time, I think, is a, a huge mistake that, you know, even like Lauren Landau and Dr. Galpin and like all these other people that I've been around the last few years, they all agree that's one of the biggest mistakes that an MMA, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, Rudy and I actually were just talking about that. We were talking about that a few weeks ago. There's a couple of people that we know that get injured kind of a lot. And it's not a coincidence that those are also the people that they're only there for fight camps. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. <laughs> and that, they, they probably don't, they probably don't eat good. They probably don't sleep as much as they should. It's all these like simple, basic things like we've been talking about that just add up over time. Mm -hmm. I never understood that mentality. Never understood it. The guys are the competition is so good. How can you not put in every little ounce of effort that you could possibly do? You like I still feel like I'm catching up, and yeah. I, I'll never catch up. You just gotta hope. <laughs> like, <it. laughs> yeah. All you can do is put in the work. Um, all right, cool. So this has been uh, really cool for both of us. I'm sure once we get it up, um, our listeners are gonna really appreciate it. So. Plug all your stuff and people find you and, and what stuff you do. If, if people want to learn more about this type of stuff, um, go to fightcampconditioning.com. If they search Fights Camp Conditioning on any of the social networks, they'll find us as well. But we showcase coaches and, and other professionals that support combat athletes. So there's a huge amount of information. There's like over 400 blogs, over 100 podcasts. There's dozens of like digital programs people could download if they want to follow up a, a training program or something like that. But if they obviously, if they got more questions and stuff like that, they can use the contact us button and just ask questions and go from there, you know? Nice. Awesome. Um, Aru, go ahead and do we need to, do we need to plug our own stuff? I feel like we've been doing it every week for, uh, yeah. for a year now. People know where it's at. <laughs> Quotes and chokes, Aru Pagos and Nick Angeloni. Just do some search and you'll find us. All right, uh, Corey. Thanks a lot, man. That, that it was uh, it was a pleasure. Sorry, late too, by the way, but uh, it's nice to meet you guys, California. <laughs> good All right, man. Well, you have a good rest of your day. You too, guys. See ya. All right, thank you.